In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back again. We have another story. I get excited being able to hear, understand, and talk to different people across the United States as they share their stories, as they they share about the narrative that they're writing, both currently, some of the things that they've been living through, some of the things that have happened in the past. And again, we we got a great guy here. Rob is right here with us. So I'm really thankful, grateful that you were able or even willing to share some of your story with us, Rob. Thanks. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. So we always start with this, and I love this statement because it really, truly kind of dives right into the meat of where we're at. Let's say, Rob, we meet in an elevator. 30 seconds is all you got. Who is Rob? Not not what you do, but who truly is Rob? I have the awesome job of being a pa, which is the name for being a grandfather in my family, of five <laughs> awesome grandbabies. And really, that was God's plan for me because my wife's children more or less adopted me. And I don't have any children of my own, but I do call my children that are my wife's children. Like I said, they adopted me. They're my kids. I treat them as such. But I am a pa, and my mission or duty in life is to influence five of the coolest little minions on the planet. And that's why God brought me here. So that's really incredible. And I love how people identify and and look at where they're at and the fact that that gives you purpose and gives you mission. So as we jump into our conversation today and and part of your story, part of your journey, what was the intent? What were the thoughts that you had before you entered into your adult life? What did you believe was going to happen? What was that story that you thought you were going to be writing? I was always in athletics I was uh, fortunate enough to be a college athlete, played football in college, and I always had that kind of hero mentality where I wanted to be a hero similar to kind of like your your cartoon-esque type people of somewhat of a protector, somebody always available to count on reliability and, you know, that first person you want to choose to either go to battle, whether it be, you know, physical battle or emotional battle or literal battle or athletic battle. But I was always very, you know, a big, bigger kid growing up. I always played with the advanced or I had to get drafted up higher and higher when I was in the, you know, the younger leagues of, of competition. So it was just uh, one of those things I just, I I just adopted this mentality of trying to be a hero of some sort. So why was there somebody that something that somebody said to you about like, Hey, you are going to be, I'll use the word savior, but hero, or was it something that was modeled for you? Like, where did that thought process come from? Well, my father was, uh, you know, definitely a big, huge influence on my life. I thought he was, yeah, he was my hero. 
he served in the army and, you know, I got pictures of him growing up and stuff. But my faith, uh, as a Christian was, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I do a lot of reading about Christianity and the different aspects and, you know, the, the, the existence of, of, of angels and things of that nature. But I just was always fascinated about being some, some somewhat of a protector and it's just, really evolved into that the whole mentality of trying to be the person that you could always count on to have your back and 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 be resourceful for you so how did that flush out then like how did that become a reality for you as you're actually stepping into that what was it like in a in a day well you know having that kind of a standard and doing certain things when i Got out of college. My father worked for an organization, a company called Dolly Printing, and I was the first person in my my family to graduate with a college diploma of industrial technology. And I specialized in some of the aspects of uh, printing as well as uh, electronics. And I was my goal was to become the furthest advanced person because my Older brother worked for Donnelly. My younger brother worked for Donnelly, and I got a job working for Donnelly. However, it didn't go according to plan because I wound up being in a department where my father used to work with the head of that department, and they didn't like each other. And I remember one time he was raising his, that department head was raising his voice to me and was using my father's name. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I'm not my father. I'm, 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 I'm Rob. Remember, you know, so, so, uh, he, uh, pretty much, it was almost his mission to prevent me from being successful within that, that company, which, you know, I, Hey, listen, I get it. You know, when you're losing, you got nothing to lose. So I, I really, you know, committed myself into, you got a college diploma, you know, it got me into a try a different career. And I became a person that excelled in the sales arena and moved from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania to Chicago back. I'm originally from Chicago and went to uh, Pennsylvania and did middle school, high school and college. And then I went back to Chicago in 97 and got involved in the sales industry and been in the sales capacity ever since. Well, let's go back to this whole idea of being the hero. And I'm going to ask you this question and I'll allow you to take it however you'd like to take it. But two answers. That's what I'm looking for is two answers. What was the positive impact of this mentality that you had to be the hero? And what was the negative impact in the mentality of being a hero? Because there's always two sides to that, right? There's always two things that are going on. Right. So whether you want to answer the negative or the whichever one you want to answer first, but I, I'm, I'm interested in hearing how that impacted both in a positive way and in a negative way. Well, I moved from Chicago back in 1999 to get married to a girl that I was dating off and on in Pennsylvania, and she was in Florida. And I moved down and got married to her on August 28th, 1999. And by June of 2000, she left me and consequently I, 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 she became a lesbian and I would guess I was that good, but I waited until I was 30 years old to get married because my parents were married 
for 51 years before my father passed away. And I'm, I'm like, I was so just frightened. You know, I believed in marriage, marriage is for life. And the last thing I wanted to do was fail at being in a marriage. And right out of the gate, I always say, you know, you might know my wife, her name is Satan as a comical <laughs> relief way of posing that. But the irony is that I was devastated and I pretty much, you know, understood that, you know, marriage, it's a two-way street. It's a partnership. If you're without the coordination or even communication or cooperation with the partner and you it's not a marriage, it's, it's, it's a misery. <laughs> so, you know, my entire, you know, from June on. I was just working and working and working and trying not to think about it, almost as if sticking my head in the sand as an ostrich and just make it go away, make it go away, make it go away. And so, you know, uh, the irony is, is that the, my coworkers were saying, come on out with us. It's a Friday night. We're going to have some fun. And the first night I went out with some friends and they're like, just stop thinking about her and just enjoy yourself. And I went to a karaoke bar, first time I've ever been there. And it was, ironically, October 13th, Friday the 13th, full moon 2000. And I met my wife now there. <laughs> and we've been married for 22 years. So I don't recommend you meet the, marry the first woman you meet after your ex-wife leaves you. But... You know, God's plan was you first must be married to Satan before you can recognize an angel when you meet her. And lo and behold, you know, I went from misery to marrying a wife, gaining two children, and then ultimately becoming a pa of five grandbabies. So what might seem like a shortcoming getting a, going through a door. I got divorced on January 3rd, 2001 and got married on November 23rd, 2001. Divorced and married in the same year. So I met her on October 13th, Friday the 13th, full moon, 2000. Got married 13 months later on November 23rd, 2001. And my wife's birthday, ironically, is August 13th. And the next Friday the 13th, full moon will be 26 years from now on her 92nd birthday. <laughs> But I'll only be 80 because she's 11 years older than me. So, but uh, what might seem like a shortcoming could inherently be a blessing in disguise. So think about that. What might seem like a shortcoming. I was miserable. I was completely just, but it was something I needed to go through in order to be in a state of mind to recognize. And then ultimately, at least I knew what I didn't want if I was ever going to get married and it was crystal clear and right. which I'm grateful for that experience to know that, I mean, honestly, I, it was just amazing. I mean, and it was turned out that my wife lived 15 minutes from me in the suburbs of Chicago. She moved down to Tampa in 97. I moved down in 99 and we met down in Tampa in, in 2000. And so, you know, I just, uh, truly blessed, uh, that I had the opportunity to meet such a, 
an awesome woman. She did a great job raising two incredible kids by herself and very impressive. And I love them to death. And I, I just like it. I didn't have a, a family component in Florida at all. And then all of a sudden now I've got an Italian family that's surrounds all sorts of affection, love, and it's, uh, it's, 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 it's actually really kind of, it's, it's, it's a cool situation that I'm, I'm truly blessed because of it. And I'm, I'm, well, uh, let, if it's all right with you, let's, let's dig in a little bit to that because you said basically, you know, growing up, you had a whole idea complex or almost an identity of being the hero of the situation. And you said just within those few short months, you went from basically being cast down, cast out, for lack of a better word, right. uh, through the divorce through the divorce situation, which just basically undercuts that whole idea of being a hero to being accepted in. I was, in, I was, in other words, I was a zero, <laughs> zero to hero. Here we go. <laughs> but then I went from zero to hero when I met my wife because I was almost, you know, she was divorced for 13 years. Uh, the father of m my children, she was married to and she got divorced and, um, she, uh, you know, there was a period of time, I, I think it was probably in September that I said, you know what? Honey, I know I'll never come before your children. And I want you to know that I'm totally comfortable with that because number one, they're here first, but even if they were my children, they would still come before me. So I'm very comfortable with it. And I don't want you to ever, ever think otherwise. And I didn't propose to my wife. She sat in my lap in September and then told me that we were getting married the day after Thanksgiving. And it was pretty cool. She already had bought the rings and told me exactly where I was going to stand. And we got married by the ship captain of Starship Cruise going. It was a dinner cruise that went out of Clearwater. So we just rented the top floor and it was a blast. Uh, it really, and, and it was relatively inexpensive considering, you know, what weddings could go for. And, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. and I actually, you know, my my parents flew down in order for that. I had my my younger brothers stand up to be the best man in the wedding, and now yeah, it's I mean a total transformation of you know going from zero to hero. And so let's talk about your mind though, like that. That is a huge mind shift, a huge mind perspective of the way that you look at the world from one point to another point. Can can you take us in behind the scenes? Can you pull that curtain back a little bit and and share with us some of the challenges that you had to work through from that time? And maybe it was self value, maybe it was confidence. There's there's a lot of things that could have been, but can you can you share with us some of those? And I'm and I'm glad you asked that question because I always had a high regard of just accomplishment. I always wanted to win, very competitive, and I always was telling myself that get back up, get back up, get back up. You know, when you're, you're, you're experiencing some adversarial situations, you know, I am the glass half full guy. I am always looking at it from a perspective of there's gotta be a, 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 a positive aspect that I can draw from this situation. That's going to keep me in an uplifted mode, as opposed to dwelling on the negative, which never really works other than drawing in more negativity, in my opinion. But I was always, uh, you know, the, I, and I, I was very, I, I would actually repeat things in, in my mind and, you know, 
if you if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, and it just just simple little words of wisdom and things that I would take with me and trying to keep, maintain a positive mentality, and once again my faith. You know, I asked, you know, the Holy Spirit for guidance, and you know, give me that tenacity, give me the power, and also you know, give me the um, self control to not overreact to situations and, you know, try to react in a more positive fashion as well. So what was in your mind, what was the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome when you got served papers or when you had to sign those papers? And in those months to be able to get back to the point, to be able to even accept love from your wife and accept the, the acceptance from the new family, the new Italian family that you're now a part of, not everybody can get to that stage of acceptance. When I met Carmel, I was still yet to be divorced. And it was the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving in 2000. And I went to my wife. I'm like, I've I've never been apart from my wife for the past nine years for Thanksgiving. I I, I have to go down and visit and, and, and see her. And... My wife is sitting there, you know, at the doorway, mashed potatoes, mixing that stuff up. She goes, all right, you can go down there, but you better be back here for Thanksgiving dinner because I'm supposed to be introducing you to my entire family. I want you here. So turned around, got in my vehicle, went down, got to my wife's house, knocked on the door. She opened up the door and said, what the hell are you doing here? And I said, you know what? You're right. And I turned around, got back in my car and drove back up to my wife and was there within you know two and a half hours. And why would I want to be around somebody that doesn't want me around? When I've got somebody demanding my presence and saying that you better be here because you know, I'm proud of what you bring to me. Let's just be clear, because I'm I'm slightly confused. Which because you said your wife, and then you went to see your wife, and so I, like well, okay, so, I, what- I, so so ex-wife, I went to go see. She wasn't my ex yet. She I was still married to her, so I went back to the girl that I've yet to be married to. We were still, you know. Uh, so your future wife was the one mixing the mashed potatoes and saying, exactly. we really want you here for the dinner. Now you understand the future wife was standing at the doorway, allowing me to go see my present wife. Present wife did not receive my presence at all and said, what the hell are you doing here? And I just turned around, got back into my vehicle and it really put the ball in the motion because that was November. And I went to an attorney that promised he could get me a divorce and have my present wife's last name taken from her. And we could do it where she just filled out paperwork and FedExed it back into the clerk and I could get the divorce proceedings. So I delivered the FedEx paperwork to the ex-wife are the present wife to soon to be ex to be, and yeah. I got all the paperwork sent in. And on January 3rd of 2001, I was divorced from the first wife, was able to be married to the second wife. Uh, and you know what? I mean, when you know what you want, you know, it wasn't like it took a lot of time to understand that we were meant for each other in our 
you know, we're from the same area of Chicago and, you know, she was an awesome cook. When I met her, she had tickets for the Buccaneers. She worked out. I worked out and I put, you know, I was a avid football fan. So yes, she was a Bears fan, but she did have season <laughs> tickets for the Buccaneers just because, you know, she's in Tampa now. So, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. We, was uh, that the, was that the eye-opening experience for you? The, the actual mind shift set of when your ex-wife now opened the door and said, what the heck? Why would you even stop by? I mean, like, was that the time when you realized, hey, this is the clear path that I need to take? Was that the shift at that point? Or or was there something else that happened? It, it sounds like it was, but I'm, I'm not sure. Well, it really was. And I really didn't say this, but this actually did occur. And I th- that Friday morning, October 13th, I had a conversation with God and said, you know, God, could you please introduce me to woman, someone who I don't need to define her that would share my values, viewpoints, and, and, and just walk beside me and be my best friend. Mm. And it was like, I was at the takeout window because that night I got just what I asked for delivered to me. Mm. That alone, you know, made me, you know, that, 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 from that moment on, I was like, all right, that's another thing. You know, you need to start asking, you know, for things. I mean, no is an answer sometimes, but yeah. uh, I, I got a solid mm-hmm. yes. And then, you know, the, that Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the additional, like, if you're not seeing that this person, future wife really wants you around and, and, and is demanding your presence. Whereas that other one was extremely, you know, negative. It's quite obvious and it shouldn't be something you're even fighting. So, uh, yeah, it was all the strings were off, you know, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would suspect that because, again, the the part that we talked about at the very beginning, this whole hero complex of feeling like you had to be the hero to everybody, that point of her referring back to you like, hey, what the heck are you doing here, separated out that mentality, I'm assuming. So correct me if I'm wrong, but that gave you the ability to be able to let that go, even though you still had some of that hero idea thought. And and, and admit that, you know, I didn't want to fail at marriage. I didn't get married right. to get divorced. I, I got married to be successful with marriage and, you know, marriage is for life. And, and, but quite frankly, I, it was just not going to work. I can tell that I just yeah. married the wrong individual and I made a mistake and forgive me, God, but I got to leave this one because you just brought this beautiful woman to me. And, and I'm convinced that you brought her to me because I asked for her that morning. I mean, I couldn't even get through a year with the first one and I've gotten 22 years under my belt with the second one. I'm doing something correctly. <laughs> right. Right. So, well, let's, let's step into that. What are the time, what are the habits? What are the patterns? What are the things that you're doing now to be able to write that narrative? And, and sometimes we call it leaving the legacy. Sometimes we call it uh, writing our story, but it's really, truly crafting the life that you're in right now and being purposeful in crafting that. So what are you doing to make sure that it's going to sustain a happy wife is a happy life. And that's <laughs> just really good information to adhere to. 
And just understand that, you know, a marriage is like a corporation, in essence, a partnership, whatever you want to call it, but it is a business type environment. In order to succeed in business, there are certain things that you need to tweak. So people who go into a marriage thinking that everything's going to be a fairy tale, I've got news for you. It isn't. It's, 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 it's going to take some, you know, rolling up your sleeves and doing things or putting up with certain things that normally, or you just aren't used to doing so far yet, but adhering to, all right, now I need to be my wife's hero. And she's pretty much laying out all the things that are necessary in order to satisfy that silhouette of hero and so try to maintain those things because the beautiful thing about my wife is that there's never any gray area so i never have to wonder it's either black or white you're doing it right you're not doing it correctly or you know usually when there's nothing being said that i'm doing something right so yeah it's it's it and always putting uh, you know i it was quite easy for me to 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 put her children first before her because you know, I you know I, I told her that I would always be comfortable with that and I you know I, I love the children that she you know allowed me to become a uh, you know a, a father too and it's quite simple I I just the, the family unit that. Carmel and her two children had was so impressive when I met them and the fact that she invited me into that powerful adhesion of of they were just unstoppable and it was just a blessing and it was an honor to be considered to be invited in it's just a, a, a well marriage is not a fairy tale but the results are fa- fairy tale esque let's put it mm. that way yeah. Because, you know, I'm married to a beautiful woman. She's 11 years older than me, can still rocks a bikini and looks younger than me. And her name's Carmel. She's an awesome cook. She does the Italian gravy four hours, still makes homemade managat, gnocchi, ravioli, the Italian sausage and the hog casings by hand. I mean, touchdown dance. I mean, good grief. <laughs> I mean... I I met uh, one of the most brilliant women that, that can you know cook, and she's 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 animated. She's she's funny. You know, everybody loves Raymond that show and his mother and father their relationship. It's that hilarious sometimes. So. <laughs> So what do you do to maintain your own personal development? I love that you love your wife so much, but what do you, what are some things that you do to maintain your own personal development, growth? What, like, what are the, some things that you do? I like to read, but I, 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 you know, I like to always concentrate on the health, doing healthy things to whether it's your diet. I, I exercise five days a week in the mornings. I'm you're very, you know, I just, 
I, I want to be around for my grandchildren so much and I want to take care of myself and also take care of my wife and make, you know, things nice for her and be able to provide and, you know, create a, a, a solid, happy environment that's healthy. And, you know, it, it, it was cool in September, my grandson who was never baptized as an infant and he actually said to his mother, mom, I think I need to be baptized. And so my daughter-in-law said, you know what? We're all getting baptized. So my son, my daughter-in-law, my granddaughter, Tony, my grandson, Johnny, they at Grace Family Church, September 23rd, they were getting baptized. And Pa said, I'm going with you guys too, because I want to share in the birth of Christ with my two grandchildren and have that aspect that we have in common. And, uh, I'm getting the chills cause yeah, it, uh, it felt really cool and, uh, it was a great event and I'm so proud of my grandson for recognizing that, you know, a life with Christ is going to be a very vital component to his, his life. And it, it's cool. I like being an influence in that aspect. Well, and that's the that's the legacy that you leave behind, and that's the success that you can define and see. We're kind of winding up here, but is there anything else that you would want to just share with people if they didn't walk away with anything else, walk away with this one piece of advice or something that's on your heart? What is that? What would be that one thing that you want them to walk away with? And then really, what might seem like a shortcoming is inherently a blessing in disguise. And it might not feel like it at the time, but, you know, this is a, a shortcoming is an opportunity to get better and, and, and embracing it. And that aspect, you know, you just get back up, get back up, get back up, having that mentality in your mind. I mean, I was a Cubs fan for so many years. And then look what they did in 2016. I mean, I thought the world was going to end the next day, but go figure. <laughs> the Cubs could actually win it's a, a World Series. So so even the Cubs have proven. <laughs> yeah, and there's lots of video that you can find on that, the break the curse and the whole nine yards. <laughs> oh, I, I, I still yet to forgive them for what they did in 2003. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> It We're not going to go into all that sports detail, but yeah, you're right. So I know that you're an advocate for people and I know that we've got your contact information, but if, you know, somebody's reaching out and said, Hey, look, I'm struggling. I'm sure you're, you're willing to talk with them about that. How can they get in contact with you? And, and then, you know what, that's what I want people to, to understand is it doesn't cost you anything at all. If you've got a situation of um, experiencing excessive medical billing or you're having a problem, just, you know, getting a, a, a treatment paid, you know, let's have a discussion because just in the discussion. Oh. So back up, back up just a little bit on this, because I think this is important because it actually ties into your story. Share what you do for a living in, in an essence of, because I, I know what you do for a living and I have a lot of respect for it because not many people do that, but share what you do. That way people can understand just the power of what, how, I mean, you're just talented. Let's just put it that way. You're talented at what you do. Share, share, share what you do so that way they can understand and have a concept of it. All right. I'm in the insurance business of uh, health insurance, life insurance, and 
90% of all medical billing nowadays deliberately has errors put in it. And having an advocate is just such a valuable thing to have a leverage, a resource. And let me give you an example. All right. I had a policyholder that on a Saturday had a very upset stomach, went to an urgent care. The urgent care said, oh, you might have diverticulitis. And I get a phone call and she's like, they tell me I have to go get a CT scan. Do you know? I'm like, can you wait until Monday? Because the reduced cost CT scans that I have access to are, they don't open up until Monday. Well, she couldn't wait. So she went to the emergency room local to her area and was there for about 45 minutes, got her CT scan. They said that there's nothing wrong. They told her what she might be able to do to help her with her upset stomach. And then two weeks later, she got a bill in the mail for $12,479. Now she called me up and said, Hey, can you help me out with this? And, and, uh, so we started going to battle with the billing department and such, but there's a gentleman who wrote a book called never pay the first bill. His name is Marshall Allen. And one of the things that he advised was sometimes you have to involve the state regulators. And so what we did was we contacted the Florida department of agriculture and consumer affairs, which is where price gouging departments get turned into. And we were able to put and submit electronically information on behalf of the policyholder, her billing, her information that was shared. And also on the website of the hospital, it listed a CT scan to cost $150. And within a week's time, it was December 3rd. And my policyholder called up and she goes, Carmel, Rob, what did you do? Oh my God, thank you so much. The billing department called her up and said, would you accept $200 a settlement for this claim right before Christmas? Merry Christmas. That's why an advocate can be so valuable for you right there. Yeah. And that, that is truly the theme of your story all the way through this aspect of still being able to act and operate as a hero. So that's, I love those kinds of stories. So if now, especially people that are struggling, they don't know where to turn, they don't know what to do. And I, that's why I said that too, is I know you're willing to have those conversations. How can they get in contact with you to be able to have a conversation or to ask a question that nobody else is willing to help them out with? Yeah. And, and, and I'm working on getting a, a website created with all sorts of different things, but really my digital business card, which will undoubtedly be posted in the comment section, you know, my phone number, 813-943-9683. That is a mobile. I react extremely effectively in texting me. I'm always on the phone. I would recommend texting me. I'm interested in speaking with you and I could probably send you a link that we can schedule something on my calendar. But ultimately there's no obligation to buy anything with me by having a conversation. And just remember, I hate to be sold just like you do. So my goal is to be a resource and help you solve your problem first and foremost. We can discuss if it's going to cost anything, but you're always in the wheelhouse of driver's seat. You know, yeah. the only opinion that matters about anything that you might purchase is the one purchasing it. And, you know, I hate it when people go in my professional opinion and I'll be like, stop right there. <laughs> did I ask it? Did I ask you for it? You know, 
because <laughs> yeah, exactly. the, only, the only opinion that matters is the one that's, you know, it, it, the person that's affected's opinion. Yeah. Well, th uh, this has been fun. This has been truly an experience as far as being able to walk down the wear my fun, my fun ducky shirt for you too. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but thank you for sharing. Thank you for talking about some of the challenges that you have walked through and how to be able to overcome. And I, I think that's, it's, it's really beneficial in, in many, many different ways. So thank you so much for that. Sure. As you're listening to this, guys, gals, those that are out there, if you're listening to the podcast, and I say this all the time, but make sure that you check out the YouTube side of things because there's a lot of mannerisms, facial expressions, all kinds of really cool things that we get. And you kind of hear the second half of it because there's a lot of nonverbal language that happens. Uh, but check out that. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe. And as always, keep writing and crafting your narrative because you're the only one that can. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.